0: Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. This week on our panel, we have Steve Edwards. Hello from a very, very, very hot Portland. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we're talking to a Flutter expert. We're talking to Alan Wyma. Alan, do you want to say hello and introduce yourself real quick?
1: Yeah, hello. So coming from uh, Hong Kong, originally from Chicago, but yeah, now I'm kind of a big Flutter person. Uh, You may have also heard me too on uh, Elixir Mix. So I'm also a panelist there. Yeah, I didn't know what else to say. So I also have my own digital agency out here too. So I do a lot of projects in elixir flutter and sometimes rust mm-hmm. so it's a lot to talk about there
0: yep absolutely and alan is also a member of the dev influencers accelerator and we've been working on helping him start a podcast do you want to tell people where to find that podcast real quick if you're more interested in flutter
1: yeah I mean, we're basically on all the big big uh, platforms so i think the biggest thing is you can check out flying high with flutter.com so f-l-y-i-n-g-h-i-g-h-i-g-h I know I'm not gonna spell it out, but basically, flying high with flutter.com. On there, you can find links to all the different podcast platforms around. But the biggest ones like Spotify, YouTube, even we got video, also Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc.
0: Yeah, so it's easy to the find us. Yep, yeah, it's good stuff too. They've they've interviewed or he's interviewed quite a few people that are pretty interesting out there, and yeah, it's always fun to dive into. But yeah, let's let's dive in and talk about Flutter. This episode is sponsored by Sentry. Sentry is the thing that I put into all of my apps. First, I figure out how to deploy them. I get them up on the web, then I run Sentry on them. And the reason why is because I need to know what's going on in my app all the time. Yeah, I'm kind of a control freak, what can I say? The other reason is, is that sometimes I miss stuff or I run things in development, you know, it works on my machine, we've all been there, right? And then it gets up in the cloud or up on a server and stuff happens and stuff breaks, right? I didn't configure it right. I'm an idiot and I didn't put the AWS credential in. I didn't do that last week, right? That wasn't me. Anyway, I need that error reported back. Hey Chuck, I can't connect to AWS. The other thing is, is that this is something that my users often won't give me information on and that's, hey, it's too slow. It's not performing right. And I need to know it's slowing down because I don't want them going off to Twitter when they're supposed to be using my app. And so they need to tell me, It's not fast enough, and Sentry does that, right? I put Sentry in, it gives me all the performance data, and I can go, hey, that takes three seconds to load, that's way too long, and I can go in and I can fix those issues, and then I'm not losing users to Twitter. So, if you have an app that's running slow, if you have an app that's having errors, or if you just have an app that you're getting started with and you wanna make sure that it's running properly all the time, then go check it out. They support all major languages and frameworks, they recently added support for Next.js, which is cool. You can go sign up at sentryio slash sign up. That's easy to remember, right? If you use the promo code JSJabber, you can get three free months on their base team plan. So I don't know if we've covered Flutter on here. If we have, it's been quite a long time. So do you want to just kind of go through what the basics of what Flutter is, like what it provides?
1: Yeah, this is a great topic. And I think this is actually kind of one of the most interesting things. So you can go ahead and take a look for yourself. Go to flutter.dev. And the fun thing is that they actually, Flutter team describes Flutter as being basically a UI toolkit. If you think about it, it sounds kind of not so fun, not so interesting. And But it also, it's a kind of different, right? I don't think many kind of frameworks or libraries for like cross-platform apps call themselves a UI toolkit. Not that I know of, maybe QT or something, but most people don't. Usually they say we're a cross-platform or whatever, right? Um, Uh But that's really what Flutter is all about is making really, really great, fantastic uh, UIs across different platforms, right? So no matter if you're using your app on Windows, Mac, the big ones, of course, iOS, Android, your app will always look the same. And it'll always be beautiful because it's doing its own rendering. And that's what really sets it apart compared to like React Native where you kind of still have to lean back on the uh, official tools from each platform.
0: Yeah, that's true. The other thing with React Native is that, yeah, you move into the web and they do have a React Native web, but it doesn't really do one-to-one. I mean, there, there are some other things there too, right? So it's kind of interesting. The other thing that's interesting about React Native in particular, though, is that you rely a lot on the React ecosystem where Flutter, it sounds like you kind of have your own ecosystem.
1: Flutter is kind of really interesting, right? Where... If you want to drop down the native code, you can with... Uh, I'm sure you can probably do the same thing with React, but yeah, I don't know. I never really delve into it. And I don't know too many people who are that brave. I feel like it's a little bit more complicated. But for me, I'd, I've written a couple of plugins already for uh, for Flutter. But you know, I, I don't want to keep saying Flutter is so great, right? Definitely one of the bad things about Flutter is that if the plugin ecosystem is bad, then flutter is really bad experience that's something that people really need to know about but we're quite lucky that flutter has actually got a great ecosystem and for some situations there is more than one plugin and uh i'm really uh happy and proud that there's a lot of companies out there big ones right microsoft mm-hmm. sony i forgot which car manufacturer it is there there these people are all kicking in a lot of effort to flutter right and to me that really shows that people can see you know the power of this right That. The thing that, uh, going back to what I said about the UI toolkit, right, I think about this. If somebody looks at your app and it looks like crap, they're gonna immediately know and feel that it's crap, right? No matter right. how good it really is. And that's what I think is is really important is that Flutter really is all about having a great UI and anybody can do it. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm really, really bad at CSS, but for some reason that could turn out <laughs> some pretty decent, some pretty decent, looking, pretty decent looking apps in Flutter. I'm quite surprised myself. Yeah, CSS. I still don't know if I should use MX Auto or try to just wrap a flex box around it. And see what I can do. It's uh, what
2: it's I thought. CSS is a piece of cake. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Yeah, that's tongue then, then firmly then you, in cheek, by the way.
1: I'm like, <laughs> <was just> saying <laughs> that you're, you're one of the few out there. I think. Oh no! Yeah, no, no, no no Some people, some people, some people definitely get it. Some people don't, and I think most people don't. And it, it's it's difficult, right? But yeah,
0: I I don't know. I'm pretty good at CSS. I can move stuff up, down, left, or right. I can set the border width. Yeah, don't ask me to do more than that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, layout's probably the hardest thing. It's a lot easier with grid and flexbox these days. But uh, once you learn that. Yeah. So if you understand how those systems work,
0: it does get easier, but it's still, I've still run into stuff I didn't quite expect and not know quite how to work it around. So,
2: yeah. Anyway. So I'm a, so Alan, I'm, I'm a Flutter newbie, although I can remember listening to Floss Weekly and hearing Leo Laporte talk about Flutter and Dart many years ago. So, you know, I'm looking at the, the Flutter dev site and the documentation and stuff. So it looks like you've got quite a bit of tooling that you need to install, depending on what you're working on in order to write Flutter. Is that correct? It's like on Mac, you yeah, gotta have Xcode and some other things, or am I reading the docs wrong? No, that's definitely correct. I mean,
1: you're you're going to need some stuff. But the nice part about Flutter, the installation is actually pretty straightforward. Uh, I can give kind of a breakdown, like you just have to get clone a repo, make sure that the bin path is in your path. You run a simple command called Flutter Doctor, and then it'll list out everything that's not prepared yet. And like, let's say that you don't want to write iOS apps, even though you have a Mac, you could just skip that section if you want, right? So that's kind of nice uh, out of I've, all the times I've installed. So I've helped people install Flutter quite a few times. I think only one person I couldn't get it running on. I'm, I'm not too, too sure why they just had some weird setup that just didn't work out. But I think out of like about 20 or so I've worked on, it's it's been pretty smooth even for Windows and, uh, and Mac.
2: So let's step back a little more. I'm always, as Chuck will tell I'm always real big on outlining the basics for someone who comes in and doesn't have a clue what flutter is so it's basically if i'm reading correctly it's, it's i don't know if you want to consider if it's similar to something like a cordova or what other tool electron maybe but the idea is basically one code base for apps across multiple platforms is that correct
1: Yes. But actually, I, I love that you bring up those two platforms, right? Cordova and even React Native and stuff, right? They, they still, if I understand correctly, they all kind of still require some type of embedded web browser. It, it, am I wrong? Or maybe you might know more no, than No,
0: you are incorrect there. So no, Electron works that way, right? It's basically an embedded mm-hmm. browser. Ionic used to work more that way, but they've invented their own thing called Capacitor, which is kind of parallel to Cordova. But Cordova and Capacitor, they actually can communicate to the operating system. And React Native is another example of this: communicate to the operating system over the JavaScript runtime on the phone or the device, and then uh, manage their own layout in a more native way.
1: Yeah. Okay, I I, I see what you mean. Yeah, I I was kind of thinking C- that Cordova
0: way, but... itself does yeah. require a web a web view. You're correct, but React Native doesn't. And I don't think Ionic relies on Cordova with a web view anymore either.
1: Yeah, I think what I was more thinking about is actually in line with what you're saying. But yeah, you're, you're right. But yeah, they, they still require, I mean, basically, I think, is it still using V8, do you know? Or is it using something similar, I guess? They use JavaScript? V8
0: on on the Android phones because that's what the JavaScript runtime has. On iOS, it's JavaScript core. And on other systems, I don't know. I think it depends.
1: Okay, yeah, but in the end, I mean, you're still running JavaScript, right? right? That's kind of the so that's a, a huge difference between Flutter and most of these other platforms, right? So I think it sounds like nearly all of them are using a JavaScript interpreter in between. If I understand correctly, is, is that right? We can say that much about their being being sharing this part that they all run with JavaScript nearly.
0: Yeah, they do. They all run with JavaScript. Even if they run in the okay. browser, they run on whatever's in that browser. And it's usually a Chromium on the desktops, which is also V8. So, yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, we can say that much, but okay. Thanks for correcting me. It's good to hear that you know all this because I've been asking people if they know what how it actually works. And I'm glad to hear that you know it. But yeah, I, okay. So they all run with the JavaScript, right? But you still have that interpreter in between, which you know could be good, could be bad. The good part is I understand that React Native at least can support some type of hot code pushing which I think is, is nice to have. And what actually happens for Flutter is that it actually gets compiled directly to binary native code for the device itself. So you're actually running native to the to the hardware, like you wrote C basically, it's just a binary blob, right? Mm-hmm. So a real program like that. So obviously, like I said, of course, you cannot do hot code pushes. Um, they talked about doing something like this, but in the end, you're not going to get the, the performance out of it. So it kind of, you know, you, you take whatever you can get. Um, but, because they actually use the Dart programming language, Dart actually has the ability to run also as a VM, similar to, you know, like, what would be a good, I guess almost like JavaScript, right, where you can push, push new code and actually see the changes mm-hmm. live. So that's definitely also a huge uh, bonus, right? So I think React also has this, where you can make a change, save it, and it comes up right away. Basically, it has some type of hot code reload, right?
0: A React Native? Yes, it does.
1: Yeah, uh, but if you look at the native SDK, I think even for Android and iOS, I don't think they have this. I think you have to literally just press play and re- recompile again, which is uh, really not a fun cycle, right? So it's also a power strength. So not only do you get the speed of running things at a binary, you know, straight level in production, but you also get this hot code upgrade where you basically, as soon as you save, your code gets compiled to a bytecode and sent across your USB to your device or maybe your emulator and it just gets reloaded right in front of your eyes. Like literally before I even take my finger off the S key when I do Command-S on my machine, it's already running. It's it's really fast, really nice. And it helps to make your UIs, right? Because you just say, okay, let's tweak this. Okay, this looks good. Let's try that. Uh, maybe that's not so nice. Command-C, save it again. Everything just kind of runs very nicely. So I, I think I hopefully answered your your question.
2: Well, okay, so so let's say I want to sit down and write a Flutter app. First Of all the language, language you're using, Dart that's its own obviously, its own language with its own syntax. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's its own language, right? Um, okay. it was originally made to replace JavaScript and then now it kind of it can transpile to JavaScript, but yeah, it, it seems like it can actually compile directly to, to binary and everything else. It seems it's really quite a versatile language, so yeah.
2: So, any is there any, see, any other well known language the Dart that you would? say it's most comparable to like a Java. I was supposed to replace JavaScript. So is it I'm looking at some of the code samples. It seems sort of like JavaScript, but not really. With any I
1: would say I would say I, it's like it's a nice mix between JavaScript and Java. And that I think is the history of of basically uh of the two guys. So it's Lars Bach, I believe, and definitely mm-hmm. uh Casper Lund. So if you look into the history of these two, they one of the first things that they worked on together was actually a Java hotspot. So there's a lot of Java in their history. And then they end up going and working on V8 late, much later on, right? So I think those two languages themselves kind of played a lot into their their uh, their thinking, their mindset. So I think that's kind of where the, the two mix came together from.
2: Okay. And then it's... So its basic building block is widgets. Is that right? Is that sort of like a component in a viewer or a React app? Or is, uh, are there differences?
1: Uh, yes. So it's been a while since I wrote React... Man, I guess you guys can probably school me on this in case I say something wrong, but uh, I think with React you have also have the idea of components, right? You yes. can reuse these, uh-huh. so you can think a widget similar to a component. Uh, in that case, yeah. So basically, everything is a widget. Uh, it sounds really weird, but that's actually what it is. So you have like a text widget for like a like a, like a label. You have a I'm trying to think what else. You have a container that could be like a div in HTML you have basically a widget for everything and then you also make your own widgets so even your app itself is actually a widget too uh, at, a, at a high level so yeah literally everything's a widget so once you kind of wrap that around your once you kind of wrap your mind around the idea of widgets and everything being a widget you can start to see how you can start composing things to make whatever you want and that's kind of really the power of it is that you can say okay this one looks like a container it looks like there's a row over here inside my row i have uh you know another container or an avatar or something, right? You can just start compiling these things together, like almost like taking Legos and making bigger Legos and taking those Legos Mm -hmm. and assembling those together and making more things.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not so foreign to anybody who's done development with these front-end frameworks. Most of the, in fact, all of the, what do you call it? All of the front-end frameworks that I've used, React View and Angular, all work that way, right? Where you essentially have a component that's your app component, and then you just build everything else underneath it. There are a few others that are a little bit different that I've played with, but those are the big ones, and that's generally how they work. So that's not all that unfamiliar, I guess, to people who are who are uh, doing modern framework-based JavaScript development on the front end.
1: I think the tricky part comes into knowing when you should use a widget and when you shouldn't, because there's some... I mean, I, I like I said, I don't want to give all the shiny stuff, say it's the best thing in the world, right? One of the things that does get confusing is that you sometimes don't know what you should use in certain places. Because when you assemble your widgets, you're making basically a widget tree. So mm-hmm. you can swap things in and out. That's good and bad. I mean, it depends on, on how you look at it. To me, I think it's kind of good, right? You can swap whole pieces of the whole widget tree out if you want to. It's totally fine. I mean, the, the, the bad part is that you don't know if you should be using, you know, some parts of certain things should be a widget and some parts shouldn't be. So like for a button, you actually have to put another text widget inside just for the text of it, which I think is a little bit weird. You just think you're just passing a string, right? But that could be more powerful because you could actually wrap a, you know, some padding around that text and make the button bigger. So kind of make padding like like you would in CSS. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it it takes time to kind of understand what you can and what you cannot do. And uh, there's just so there's just so customizable. That's could be positive, could be negative. But I think starting off, it's a little bit negative. It takes some time to really start to learn how to use
0: what's available to you. So let's let's back up a little bit because I kind of want to walk through I guess the journey or story of building a an app in Flutter. So you get Flutter installed. It sounds like it's a little more involved than just npm install Flutter, right?
1: Well, it's not npm install Flutter, right? Because it's running its own toolkit. So right. there's multiple ways to do it, but yeah, you you so you're saying you just run run the command to to create that your initial skeleton, right? There's a just a right. Flutter create and you name it,
0: yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you have Flutter installed, you run Flutter Create, you create your app. And then the next step, it sounds like, is to kind of create your core widget, right?
1: Yeah, you can make your what they call like Material App or Cupertino App if you want.
0: Uh-huh. A Cupertino App, that's funny. And so Material App is uh, Android or something similar, right?
1: Yeah, so uh, this is kind of kind of nice and kind of what's up to you. You can make what they call Cupertino App, which is basically just an app that looks like, it, kind of, like it's on uh, iOS. Uh-huh. So that's why it's called Cupertino app. So if you're making a basically an app that only runs on iOS, you could just make it look like iOS.
0: Right. And if you do that, then do your Android apps look like they're running on iOS, or do they look like iOS apps as well?
1: I haven't tried it, but I'm pretty sure they do. So <laughs> if you want to, you can do it, but you're definitely going to confuse your your audience. I think you know, Android right. people probably get freaked out.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure they it wouldn't be the first one they've seen. But it sounds so a material app, you're using material UI to design your app. Correct. And so you can make that look more or less however you want, right?
1: Exactly. Right. That that's definitely the power, right? You can choose the palette of colors you want to use. You could choose um padding, whatever, right? Yeah. You can really build stuff from scratch if you want to.
0: So so uh anyway, so you go ahead and you pick Cupertino app or Material app, you move ahead with that, and then Let's say that I need like a, a video uh, widget or something like that. I almost said component. Let's say I need a video widget and I want to put that in. So where do I go and get those kinds of widgets if they're not built in?
1: Yeah, if you go to pub.dev, there's basically all the widgets that are kind of, it's like the package directory, like RubyGems for Ruby or, mm-hmm. I forgot what the ones call N- NPM for NPM.
0: NPM. Yep.
1: Is that the name? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you can even search over here. So video, I can look that up. There's just a ton of different video stuff out there.
0: Gotcha. So yeah. And so then it that translates the Dart and Flutter stuff into native stuff, right? So that I, I get like a native video widget that I can embed, yes. and do players and stuff like that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. For something like video playback, I don't think you can do that out of the box. So you probably have to look future into something native to each platform. Right. Especially if you're going to be exporting to you know more than just Android and iOS.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And then let, let's say that I get this thing built, right? You know, I've got my uh, fancy YouTube clone app. Yeah, well, I'm ready to publish it. What's that process like to build and publish?
1: Okay, so you've already been developing your app, right? So then you want to actually build it for mm-hmm. the store? Right. Okay. So for for Android, you would just... You have to do some setup to, of course, get your signing. You have to sign your app. Yep. And they have some good documentation. I went through it uh, the first time. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, on the website, they they show how you can set that all up, including generating a key, all that kind of stuff. So once you get the initial stuff, this so again, this is going to be what you have to do for any kind of Android app, no matter what, right? So this is not like anything special just for Flutter. So just like, if I remember correctly, right, even React, React Native, you have like a separate folder for iOS, a separate folder for Android. You have all of your kind of project-specific stuff in each one. You have the same basic layout for... Uh, Flutter. You have a lib folder for all of your Dart code, and then you have each platform has their own specific folder, which you can make your specific platform changes. So for Android, you have to set up your key signing by hand. So once you do all that, then from the root, you just run uh, Flutter build app bundle, which will create an app bundle for you, which is basically just a bunch of APKs and a zip file if I understand correctly. Then you could just upload that directly to the store. So it's pretty straightforward for iOS, you do have to run building twice. I think they solved that already, but I still do it the old way, which is just running Flutter build iOS, which will compile everything for iOS. Then you have to open up the, there's a runner.workspace file, which will load up all your CocoaPods and everything else. So for mm-hmm. iOS, in order to add more things, you have to have CocoaPods. And then from there, you just archive it, which is, I believe is a process you have to archive it. It'll create a archive for you, then you can upload it, etc. So if you've done iOS before,
0: it's all about the same. Makes sense. Do you have any questions about that process, Steve, that I didn't ask?
1: Nope. thank you. Covered it. I've also right. built uh, Flutter apps for web and desktop, right? For Windows, right. it's the same. You just you know, Flutter build Windows, you're done. You get a nice executable, I think, with a couple of Dill files. I know I did it quite early on, so there was a bunch of Dill files, but it seems like this last time there's less Dill files, I feel. Uh, Mac OS, you get a .app file, the same or .app mm-hmm. folder, right? So you get that out of the box, too.
0: Is that built on Electron, or does that run... No, no, it's native. Native, it's so, completely yeah. native. It's
1: a Very completely cool. native experience. All the platforms are native.
0: Interesting. So it it statically compiles through LLVM and gives you a an executable. Yep. Native executable file.
1: Exactly. Yep. So you get an EXE for your your Windows. You get a .app folder setup app thing for your Mac. Everything is native. That's really the one of the big differences.
2: That's really cool. So how quick is the ecosystem to keep up with OS changes?
1: Well, that's a good question, right? That I think iOS has been the most difficult part. And I, to be honest, uh, from my own experience, I think iOS has been difficult in itself. I had a recent issue where, for some weird reason, deep links just was changing between different versions of iOS 14 recently, like 50, uh, 14.5 and 14.6. I like get different responses for some weird reason. Huh. Um, and I see people also complain about SwiftUI breaking in certain builds. So. I wouldn't I would expect the same in, in, in Flutter if you're gonna get this kind of difference even in the old, you know, ecosystem itself, the original one. But yeah, I I think it's a valid concern you have, right? So don't forget that Google's working on this and I'm sure they can afford the ninety-nine dollars to get a license, right? They already have that. So they're gonna be working with this and they're gonna be, you know, they, they do work on it. It it kind of just depends on Apple kicking things out and making sure they have enough time to work at the Goldmaster before it gets released. So you probably will have some issues. Uh, for maybe a couple weeks or so, but they they die down, yeah. So that that's just going to happen, no matter what. And I think this happens even for native people. Like I said, for native uh, iOS apps, you're going to get some some problems. That's why you have to test early and test often, right? Uh, but of yeah. course, Android works works well, it works pretty well. I've actually had more issues in Android than I have in iOS for some weird reason. <laughs> so usually, the Android X issue was always a problem for me. So. Yeah. I mean, with any ecosystem, I, what the issue I had before was that with Android, I, I can't remember what the exact reason was, but there's this thing called Android X. I think it was to kind of solve the issue of the fight, the legal fight that Google had with uh, Oracle. I think this is part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may be wrong, but you had, you had to basically make your plugins all Android X compatible. And some people did, some people didn't. So it was kind of a, a pain. But that seems to be pretty solved. So now I think the next one is just upcoming, you know, iOS 15, right? But I don't know what that one's going to be like. So that's going to be interesting. But I think it'll be fine. It's going to get solved. They're really working on it. They're actually sort of hiring again for iOS developers for Flutter. So they're really doubling down.
0: When I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract, I was paid 60 bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to 120 bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of who wanted me to do development work for them because I had done that kind of work or talked about or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates, and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev Heroes aren't just people who devs admire. They're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. Yeah, it's. I've so my experience primarily with React Native, and yeah, I mean, between versions, sometimes you get kind of that same weird stuff, but yeah, they, they solve it pretty quickly. React Native is built by Facebook, right? It's the same boat, big company running it, and uh, yeah, they solve those pretty fast. But most of the time, I've also done a little bit of native stuff, and from one OS version to the next it's usually not a major issue but there are occasionally things that yeah you have to go in and upgrade the the libraries that you're using or things like that because there are breaking changes in the Apple frameworks but they usually know those well in advance and and so if you if you don't fix them before they come out it's because you haven't gone and gotten the uh yeah like you said the gold master or the beta versions and been trying to build your your app against it and then run it.
1: Yeah, I've seen some people complaining. I think when iOS 13 came out, it was really a disaster for a lot of people, even I think Apple. And some people were complaining, saying, why didn't you guys test this? And they said, oh, yeah, no, we tested it. But the Gold Master is slightly different than the release for some reason. Yep.
0: That has It happened just too. happens.
1: Yeah, it, it happens, right? So, I, I mean, I think you're just going to get that no matter what you do. It's just the way Apple rolls, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're just quite different than Android, right? Android is very open. Everybody knows what's going on. They could see it. So,
0: yeah, Android's open source. I think that brings a whole set of advantages and a whole set of problems with it. So, and and a lot of it's down to not necessarily that it's open source, but how the companies manage it, right? And so, anyway, it's always interesting to see how that all shakes out, but I agree. It it you just kind of have to roll with it when it comes. Hopefully it doesn't break on too many people's stuff. The other thing though that's interesting that I've seen is that with iOS as long as your device is supported, you tend to be running on the latest iOS, right? It'll automatically push you to update your your phone and run the update so you're running on the latest stuff. You know, Apple TV is kind of the same deal. In fact, Apple TV is actually iOS, it's just a little different. And so people are generally, not always, but generally running on the latest version of the OS, which means that you can target the latest version of the OS and be 90, 95% fine with your users. Whereas Android, I've I've seen that a lot of people kind of wind up on whatever version gets put on their phone and then whatever updates, either the carrier or the the phone manufacturer actually push out to the phone. And so, because they they run custom updates to the OS because it is open source and they can do that. And so that's the other thing. And I don't know if this has affected you at all, Alan, but yeah. So iOS, you just target the latest version with Android, you have to support multiple versions.
1: What actually has affected us, which is sad, is we how do I say this? We did want to actually add a pedometer to an app recently. And it turns out that Samsung actually blocks certain APIs for some reason. Oh, I guess really? it's probably because they want you to use your S they want them to use your S that the S health or something. Yeah, it's actually documented quite well that certain APIs is just blocked from from this so you can't really run a, a proper pedometer. And It's not even all uh Samsung devices, it's just some at least enough that people have to say that this plugin doesn't work, mm-hmm. which is uh, a little bit sad because you really could use that. And yeah, I mean we just have to tell people sorry, but you know, if you have a Samsung, we can't guarantee this works, which then just makes you look like you don't know what you're doing, right? right. <laughs> but it's it's just it's just out of our hands. That's the problem. That, and I think I think strange. Xiaomi probably also gets the same issue. I think Xiaomi also has some weirdness to it at certain points. I'm trying to think what else but yeah and, and also uh, don't forget about like Google Play services right some Android mm-hmm. devices don't have that so that's this also could be an issue um, like we work with like Google Fit and so if you don't have Play services yeah we, we, we can't help you so that's that's sad huh. that's but that's the enough. Android ecosystem right this is not Flutter this is the Android ecosystem issue right, right? and that's a that's a big mess uh, to, to deal with but I think you know it depends on what you want to do. And, and actually, a side note, right, is we actually wrote an app for a smart mirror, which uses Android. There's no Google Play services because you had to apply for it and pay money, I think. And mm-hmm. so they didn't do it. But we actually used Flutter to write an app for that. And it, and it worked, worked out great. Um, I really enjoyed the experience and it looks beautiful
2: on there. Good deal. So you mentioned, uh, you said something about testing earlier. So what, uh, is there a specific Flutter, blah, flutter framework for testing, or can you use something that's uh, already out there?
1: There is testing built into Flutter where you can actually say, okay, you know, find this button based on this label and click it and then look for this thing to happen. You can do this kind of testing. Of course, you can do unit testing also. You can do lots of things. So yeah, they do have a pretty good testing framework, I think. Works quite well. So you can also do TDD if you want to, which I, I, I do sometimes. And there's also supplementary libraries, which you can also add to your your testing. And they also have very great uh, Makito, right? So you can actually mock objects out for your, your testing, too. So I think the testing, uh, surprisingly, usually testing is always not very good, I think. And not every language has good testing. Ruby is good. I think Elixir is good. Mm-hmm. And and I think Flutter is good. JavaScript, I mean, just so many choices. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. I Jasmine's probably the big one, if I remember correctly. Seems okay. Just. From what I remember. Um, yeah, Jess. Oh, yeah Jess, 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 Jess is the one I'm thinking of. Sorry, Jasmine's the old one, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so Jess is kind of the 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 one, the de facto one,
2: I think, right? So
0: yeah,
1: I think the testing and the automated
2: testing is good. Yeah. And then we were talking about how much we all love CSS earlier in the podcast. <laughs> so what are your options? I mean, are you free to use like just plain old vanilla CSS versus chocolate? Or, uh, you know, maybe a framework like Tailwind or Bulma. I know you said use the Google material. material for design. So what are your options for CSS implementations?
1: You mean, what do I use my actual CSS? Or do you mean using CSS within Flutter? Or,
2: b- uh,
1: both. Yeah. I mean, you, you, there's no CSS. I mean, everything is just rendered using mostly with canvas. So if oh, you take okay. my web stuff. Yeah. And, and because this is using this widget tree idea, there's no, there's no, nothing like that for any of the other platforms. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, if you want to know about what, what I use for CSS, I also use Tailwind. I love Tailwind, mm-hmm. big fan.
2: Okay, I'm, well, you confused me there. I said, you said no CSS is used, but you use Tailwind.
1: What did I miss? Well, I used I use Tailwind for my other projects. <laughs> so I was oh, trying to okay. Say. Yeah. So, gotcha. if you want to talk about if you want to talk about Tailwind, I'm more than happy to talk about Tailwind. I love it. Same with Tailwind and Alpine.js together, really great.
0: Yeah, that's kind of tangential to this. If Flutter yeah, okay. doesn't use CSS, yeah, Flutter doesn't. So, so what does the styling um, code look like? Is it just properties on your widgets? Or is there kind of an overarching, hey, here's kind of the default look and feel? Or how does that all work?
1: Yeah, so uh, you have a theme. So we have this widget tree, right? You make something called Material mm-hmm. App. Part of Material App, uh, there is a theme, which you can start to set certain settings. Uh, I believe there's some some spacing, the font, font size, et cetera. There's a lot of these kind of settings for style. And also there's, you could set colors, right? So you can set your palette mm. of colors. So they have default like blue and purple, et cetera. But then you could also get down and really define, like I want, uh, I forgot the syntax off the top of my head because I usually just interrupt, you know, changes at the at, at each component's level. But you could say like, I think it's something like primary color is like, whatever, blue 50, 500 or something like that. But you can also, you still use a hex color, the hexadecimal system too. So you can just define a color object, put zero X, F, F, and then your hex color. Then you can really get down to exact color that you want to use. And then, of course, like I said, a lot of these widgets, you can also just send in colors if you want to. So you can say, okay, for this widget, you can set a setting like the text color for the text widget. You could say it's whatever color you want it to be. You can override it at that kind of level.
0: Gotcha. So, what kinds of apps have you built with Flutter? I mean, you said you built like a smart mirror. What what can you do with it?
1: Yeah, I built a smart mirror app. I built a app which runs on Android, iOS that uses uh, Apple Health for your health data and Google Fit for your Google Fit data. We also integrated with uh, Strava, so you can pull your Strava data from there too uh, directly. What else did we work on? We worked on a actually we worked on an app which actually pulls in data for for clients. So. Uh, we have a client who is a SaaS platform like Google Drive for, for law firms. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they had before is basically like Google Docs, kind of like web UI, but like 50 times worse than that. You know, it's good, right? But Google Drive Google right. Docs is pretty decent, but theirs is not that great. So they asked their clients for asking them for a desktop app for Windows. Mm-hmm. So they want to be able to actually download the files, edit them locally, save them and have them uploaded. So we built all that for them. Uh, quick prototype. They asked for Windows, but because we did Flutter, we actually did all the development in on a Mac because we all use Macs over here. Right. And then all I did was just switch over to my Windows VM, export the executable, run a script to set up the installer and kick it over to them. And then it just worked. Um, that's really so cool. that's, a, that's a great success case, I think. Uh, another thing is for a client, another client of ours who does uh, financing for retailers in the US, who want to buy products from China, we actually built him also a Mac app just because you know he he's worked with other developers before, mm-hmm. um, he's probably uh, more on the individual level. And I've seen his workflow where he gets an email with a bunch of JSON text, which you know we we all been through that, right? And so yep. I wanted to give him something nice because you know he's been good to us, we've been good with him, you know, good relationship. So we built him a, a basically a Mac app because he's always on his laptop. His partner saw it, wanted the same thing. Okay, so we exported a Windows one for him, and he also asked for a. Android version so we export an Android version just by making one small tweak in order to make it all work it was just one small layout change we had to make because uh, obviously desktop and, and, and phone is different. Yeah,
0: I was going to ask about that is yeah, do you have to I mean in on the web we have responsive design, right? But yeah. I mean I've done enough iOS work to yeah, it's like okay, well I've got uh, a layout for the iPhone and then I've got a different layout for the iPad and then I've got a different layout for the Mac how much of that do you have to do with Flutter?
1: I mean, of course you, you have to do it, right? Because you're gonna get, you're gonna be expecting things right. different on your iPad, even versus your iPhone, right? You have different layout. Yep. So yeah, I mean there's different ways to achieve this. One is that you can check the size, you can check the the size of your screen, mm-hmm. right? There's ability to say, okay, what's the max width that I can have?
0: Yeah, basically I'm responsive a, design kind of
1: idea. Yeah. But then you could also say what platform am I running on? Am I running on the web? Am I running on Android, iOS, Fuchsia? It also supports Fuchsia. So for the recent Nest came out, you can already run your app on on that already. So uh, yeah, whatever you can you can be very specific. So uh, and the other thing too is uh, I also want to state one more really really nice thing about Flutter is that although things look very similar, there is some slight differences even in the physics, right? So when you scroll on Android versus when you scroll on iOS, you're actually going to get slightly mm-hmm. different behavior because when you're using each platform, you actually expect different types of behavior. So, for instance, when you're on Android and you scroll to the bottom of the list and you pull up, you get that little ink, ink well at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But for iOS, you don't get that. That's just a kind of a very easy to spot difference. But there's other, of course, there's other differences too.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
2: So, what are your options for connecting to a backend for your data? Uh, I believe I saw that there's an included HTTP library that's in there. Is yeah. that sort of your go to for connecting to your various backends? I mean, is there a GraphQL option built in? What are your options?
1: Yeah, so sadly, actually, the one thing I didn't quite figure out, but I, I don't know, maybe there's a reason for this. There actually is no built-in HTTP client. Uh, you have to actually pull in a package for that. Okay. But they do have a GraphQL one. Uh, it's not written by the Flutter guys, it's written by another company. And there's also a GraphQL Flutter uh, one too. So you actually have widgets, right? So you, you know how you have to paginate your results. They actually have a widget mm-hmm. for that. And also uh, something that also can do... Uh, I forgot what that's called basically like Apollo-like caching. So you have a centralized cache and all that kind of stuff. Things will get updated if you if you kill certain parts of the cache. They have all that too. So that that's what I usually actually use. I usually mostly use GraphQL. Uh, that works out quite well. I think one of the more difficult parts about Flutter too is that there is different ways to manage your state. I think even React has this situation too, right? You got Flux, you got, I think, also MobX. There's other things you could use. The same thing with with Flutter's that you also have to figure out which one you want to use.
0: It's really interesting. So uh, one of the things that I've experienced with React Native, and I'm curious what the experience is with uh, Flutter, is the upgrade path, right? So sometimes I wind up upgrading from one version of React Native to the other, and then I'll have some of my plugins that don't work, or there'll be some breaking change in there that I wasn't aware of, and so I have to go and tweak it. Most of the time, it's fine. But some of the time, it's painful. How does that look with Flutter?
1: I think... Honestly, it's been pretty good. The biggest issue I think that comes is when you update your version of Dart further than than anything else because maybe you're you're relying on some newer features of Dart. That's kind of the problem. But otherwise, I mean, I haven't had much issue of like upgrading my SDK, you know, to say, okay, I'm going to use version 1.22 or something like that versus 1.17. I think now it's on 2.2.2. I can't remember what the latest version is now. Even when you go from one dot whatever to two dot whatever, it's actually not that big of of a change, I think. A lot of it's kind of under the hood. So I think the process of upgrading is pretty straightforward. The only thing that is a problem uh, is now they have uh, no safety, which is something that's that's a little bit of a problem for some people they have to update. So uh, no safety is definitely a nice feature to have. I think I probably should dig into that, what no safety is, I think. So no safety is the idea that, you can guarantee certain pieces of data in your program are actually Uh non-nullable. And so that obviously will solve a huge class of bugs because, of course, the compiler will stop you and say, hey, no, this thing, you know, you have to set a value or this thing you have to check it because it could be null, null, which I think I've I've been bitten quite a few times by by null things or non-null things. So it's definitely a powerful feature to have. And also the nice part, too, is actually if you turn on null safety, you will actually get a smaller uh, app size too, because now the compiler doesn't have to add in all that kind of null checking and this kind of stuff. You could just say all these things are always never going to be null, and it actually reduces your code size by by at least a little bit.
0: Cool. Well, I don't know if I have anything else to ask. Is there anything that we should have gone into that we just didn't think of because we're, we're not Flutter devs? Well, I'm going to take the the quiet as that uh, we got it covered. Um, I, I think
1: I think something to kind of talk about is like. Mm-hmm. How does the community of JavaScript kind of look at Dart, right? Because I think it was almost like a—I don't know—I felt some people almost felt like it was an attack, right, with Google trying to bring it into, into Chrome.
0: <laughs> well, it felt like they were pushing it for a while, like back what, like nine years ago, or when they, or so when they created it, they were really trying to get like browsers to adopt it and stuff. And it felt like they kind of gave up on that. But yeah, that's a question that that I just figured that they use Dart because they made Dart, but. Is, is there a reason? Like, do you like Dart versus JavaScript for things like this, or I don't know? Do you do you have a feel one way or the other?
1: I can say this much: I refuse to write JavaScript as much as possible. <laughs> so <laughs> it's got a lot of. I mean, it's it's got a lot of baggage, right? And it it's got its niceties. It's also got its I don't know, badities, do you call it, and it's, it's not so nice parts. Uh-huh. I mean, when you have a book called JavaScript, The Good Parts, that's a little bit freaky. I don't know too many languages that have this kind of book, but maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't know that many books. But I mean, it's got its baggage, right? And and that's just the way it is. Every language has something that they can't shake. And I think Dart, of course, it's a newer language. So it's going to have some learnings right. that came from the past. And it's had its time to kind of work out what's good, what's not good. And it's written for a specific reason. And I think the original reason was to make excellent running fast-running JavaScript, right? That was the original reason. And it just so happens it also has other properties, which are also good, right? I mean, I don't know any languages that can transpile to JavaScript, compile to native code, and compile to bytecode. That's very few and also runs on so many different platforms, right? I mean, even Ruby can't run on so many platforms. Even Python cannot run on so many platforms. Or no, no, actually, I think I heard recently there is actually a, a mobile framework for for Python. But yeah, I think yeah. that's definitely not a lot of languages can run on so many platforms. So even even SAS, right? The SAS compiler, I think, is officially written in Dart. Wow, wh- why is that? I, I wish I knew why. I, I don't know. I'd love to know why. So, I mean, there's definitely something to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ruby does have a mobile option as well, but it's not widely used. One thing that I'm curious about, though, is I was just doing a little bit of looking around and I saw Flutter 2 versus Flutter 1. Uh, and I'm curious, are, are you writing apps in flutter 2 and how how does it compare
1: I think uh, an important distinction I really want to bring out is that to be honest I don't see much between flutter 1 and flutter 2 <laughs> in all honesty right the, I, I think there's a reason why they bumped the number there's two reasons that I think one is that they wanted to get more it's a good press coverage right when you go from 1 to 2 that uh-huh. shows that you really you're really in the game right you're this is no longer like a beginner number one version right we're on number 2 right and i think the other thing too is that they also bumped it because they said that now web is finally production ready you know they say it's production ready i don't think it's totally production ready yet i haven't had i had not so great experience for using web i mean it renders fine i don't have a problem with that but what the, the developing with with google i sorry with uh with flutter web has not been good because sometimes the hot code reload just doesn't work it just doesn't work as well I, i'm not too sure why and also it doesn't support like seo so, because everything's basically rendered with Canvas. Right. Which uh, obviously it makes it look nice. It works out well, but in the, in the end, you know, you're going to want SEO. It, well, it depends on your app too, right? But, you know, a lot of people are going to want to have SEO or text-based readings, things like that. So if you have people who are blind, etc., disabled, cannot read it, then you're going to want to have
2: that.
0: Yep. Cool. Steve, anything else you want to dive into here before we go to picks?
2: No, I can't think of anything else. I think we covered, covered my questions.
0: All right. Well, then let's go ahead and do some picks. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium.
2: Why don't you start us out, Steve? Okay, as soon as I can get my, here we go. So going with the uh, dad jokes for the weeks. So question for you, Chuck, what did Spartacus say? When the lion ate his mother in law, nothing. He was gladiator. He uh yeah. And then of course everyone has heard of the historical figure Karl Marx, but no one remembers his sister, Anya, because she invented the starting pistol. Anya mark gets it. Anyway. Oh. I
1: I, I got it.
2: <laughs> good, good. There's always somebody that doesn't get the joke, but uh. I didn't get that one until you explained it. <laughs> which is sad, I guess, for me. So says, and you know why the dad joke crossed the road, right? To get to the other side.
0: Uh, yeah.
2: Wow, tough crowd today. Anyway, uh, that's my contribution.
1: I, I got it. I got
0: it. <laughs> oh, I got that one. I just... Right. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and throw in some picks. So I've been listening to a new book on Audible. It's called Outwitting the Devil. It's by Napoleon Hill. Who you may have heard of he wrote Thinking for Rich. And it's, it's kind of this interesting, like become a better person and, and gain what you want in the form of an interview with the devil, right? And so it's, hey, this is how I get people discouraged. This is how I get people to make self-destructive choices. This is how I get people to do things that they really ought not do, right? And it's not, so it's not really a sermon. It really is down to, I get people to be afraid and then I can get them to do all these kinds of things, right? I get people to be depressed and I get them to do these kinds of things. And I, I set up societal pressures in these ways and it gets people to do these kinds of things. And it just made me really think about, okay, you know, so how do I, as a person, who wants to be a good person, be a better person? You know, how do I stand up to some of this stuff that's probably going to come my way, and remain true to myself? And so it was really, really interesting. You know, I don't, I don't think there's anything like super doctrinal or anything about it. It was mostly just a way of him uh, being able to go into his thoughts and philosophy around how to stand up to some of the negative pressures that come into your life. And anyway, I've, I've really been enjoying the listen, so I'm going to pick that. And then I also watched a uh, movie on... I watched it on Daily Wire. You can get it on a bunch of other places. Daily Wire is a a conservative news outlet, but they got the rights to distribute the... It's called Created Equal, and it's uh, Clarence Thomas in his own words, and he kind of talks about his history, which I find fascinating, right? You know, I was always interested in, okay, you know, why does like Ruth Bader Ginsburg do, do and say the things that she says, right? And there are a couple of documentaries out there about her, so you can go find out you know why she was the way she was in some ways right and this is this is the same thing except it's for clarence thomas who's another supreme court justice and it was interesting just to kind of see his past and and you know how he kind of came to where he was and anyway that this kind of modern history that still has echoes and ripples into the way the world is today i just find them really fascinating right so you go look at some of these movements from the the recent past that you that you either agree with or don't agree with, right? But as as you kind of are able to dig into it, you're like, oh I, I see in this case it was like I see echoes of what's going on now back then, right? And some of the people doing some of the same things then that they were doing now and and this is what we're dealing with and stuff like that. Anyway, I just found it really, really interesting as a way to uh explore kind of okay. So this is how he came to his philosophy on government and uh judicial stuff and things like that and then go i I encourage you to go back and watch some of the ones on uh, ruth bader ginsburg i don't know if there are documentaries on any of the other supreme court justices i'm sure there are documentaries on some of like the the recent and current presidents you know things like that but it's it's interesting to kind of see okay this is the the history that we're kind of living through today so i'm going to pick that created equal clarence thomas in his own words And my last pick is, I just want to remind people to go check out Dev Influencers Podcast. And you can get that at devinfluencers.com slash podcast. And you can come and check out all the the shows and stuff that we have there. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all my picks. Alan, do you have some picks for us?
1: Yeah. So my first pick is actually the talk I did or not talk, the interview I did with Casper Lund about basically where did Dart come from? And we went all the way basically through his history. So when he graduated school, what he started doing, and then finally up until he made Dart and then actually started working with Flutter and how they actually, when Dart and Flutter started working together. Before Flutter was even Flutter, I think it was called Sky, right? So before they actually started working together. So it's it's really a great kind of history. So like I'm also a big history fan. So you're talking about Clarence Thomas and everything. That also really excites me, right? These, These kind of things. So hearing about, you know, how things came about, I like to hear a lot about. So it's, it's interesting to hear, like, you know, what's his history? Why did it come this way? And you can start to see looking mm-hmm. at Dart, why it looks the way it looks, right? He has a big history with Java, a big history of JavaScript. And so to me, when I look at Dart, I see Java mixed with JavaScript and I just see good things uh, from each side. So my second pick is a book from Mannings. Uh, Manning is called uh, Rust Servers, Services and Apps. So I've been getting more and more into Rust recently. We actually also did an episode uh, with basically how to mix Rust and Flutter together, which is quite popular. In any case, if you're interested in Rust, I think this is a really, really great book where you can use Rust both back-end uh, for services and also even with Wisem. I think it's a really good book. I've been reading it so far. Third pick. Similar, but more on the uh, kind of full stack side of Rust web development. It's very similar. But yeah, I think both these ones have different ideas, but same topic, similar topic. But they also use different Rust uh, service, uh, what do you call it? Rust uh, frameworks. But in the end, I think both of them are really, really good for picking up stuff about Rust. So those are my three picks.
0: Awesome. All right, Alan, just to give you a chance again to remind people how to find you, what, what are the best places to go?
1: Yeah, uh, I have quite a lot of Twitter. So you can always check me on Twitter. I got my own at A-L-L-E-N-W-Y-M-A for Twitter. Uh, also my company, Plangora, P-L-A-N-G-O-R-A. And for Twitter, for the podcast, we also have... Is it uh, F-L-W... I think I need to look it up. It's been a long time. I never really tweeted myself, right? Nobody ever tweets to themselves. Yeah. So one second. It is uh, F... HW Flutter, so it's short for Flying High with Flutter. So FLH, sorry FLHW Flutter, and then uh, if you follow that, you can see all of our new episodes. We release a new episode every Wednesday. So we release both the video and just an audio podcast if you just want to listen in and
0: not actually watch. Awesome, sounds good. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up here. Thanks for coming, Alan. This was really, really interesting.
1: Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I, I, I'd love to to come on here and talk about Flutter, and it's always good to chat with you guys.
0: All right. We'll go ahead and wrap up here. Until next time, Max out. Adios. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit cachefly.com to learn more.